Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. It's been 3,373 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 454 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, our assessment that Russian partisans fighting in Belgorod were more than a border incursion was accurate, with fighting continuing at the time of recording. Second, there is an extreme risk that Russia will launch a large-scale retaliatory missile strike on Ukrainian civilians and civilian infrastructure over the next 72 to 92 hours, with the scope limited to available inventory. Third, The advance by Russian partisans into Bilgorod has thrown the Russian information space into chaos, with rifts between sources open to the public and infighting among Russian state media and Russian mill bloggers between those who are maintaining Kremlin talking points and those who are providing some transparency on the situation in Bilgorod. Fourth, we maintain that private military company or PMC Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin's claims that Russian proxy forces have fully captured Bakhmut are dubious. Fifth, Russian tactics have validated our assessment that the Kremlin has moved to launching a small number of missiles on a more frequent basis and targeting areas with little military value but that are appealing to an internal audience as proof of continued successful operations. Sixth, the rift between the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, and PMC Wagner Group continues to disrupt Russian military operations in the Solidar and Bakhmut operational areas, resulting in territorial losses on the flanks and Prigozhin's announcement that PMC Wagner will withdraw from Bakhmut on May 25th. Seventh, Ukrainian forces have stopped their retrograde operation in Bakhmut and continue to hold two pockets of defensive positions within the city. Eighth, In preparation for larger offensive operations, Ukrainian forces continue shaping operations on multiple axes, creating panic and uncertainty among Gauleiters, Russian administrators, and military leaders. Ninth, the uncertainty of when and where the Ukrainian counteroffensive will begin, or if it has already begun, has forced the Kremlin to start deploying their limited and ill-prepared reserve troops in the Dvorichna, Kupiansk, Svantova, Solodar, Bakhmut, Klishivka, and Marinka operational areas to counter ongoing tactical advances by Ukrainian troops. Tenth, weather models indicate that Bezdorizhia, or mud season, will return by the end of May, 
leaving conditions unfavorable for significant military operations through June 5th. And finally, we've identified shaping activity by the Ukrainian armed forces in four locations that could indicate a larger attack is being prepared. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, Ukrainian-sourced Deep State and Russian mercenary mill blogger Wargonzo, as well as the Kharkiv Oblast administrative and military governor Ole Sinyubov, reported continued and significant fighting in the area of Masyutivka. In the Kupyansk operational area, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian Surveillance, Reconnaissance and Sabotage, or DRG, units were operating in the areas of Orlyanske, Ivanivka and Kislivka. Moving on to the Donbass region in northeast Donetsk. In the Bakhmut operational area, Ukrainian Deputy Minister of Defense Hanna Malyar reported on the situation, writing, quote, Since yesterday, the situation in the Bakhmut direction has not changed significantly. Fighting continues. Our troops in Bakhmut control certain facilities and the private sector in the Litak area. The enemy, she means Russia, is sweeping the areas of the city under his control. The struggle for dominant heights continues on the flanks, the north and south of the suburbs. End quote. A geolocated video showed that the residential area west of Tchaikovsky Street adjacent to the MiG-17 statue area was under continued shelling by Russian troops. We coded this area as still under Ukrainian control on May 21st. We estimate that Ukrainian forces currently maintain control of approximately one square kilometer of Bakhmut, or a little under a square mile, divided into two pockets. That's roughly 1.8% of the city. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, the Russian First Army Corps attempted to advance past the railroad tracks east of Novokalinove and was unsuccessful. Wargonzo reported that Russian forces attempted to advance on Avdiivka from Vesele, suffered losses, and returned to their defensive positions. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that the Russian First Army Corps troops continued their attempts to advance towards Sieverne through the no-man's land north of Vodyana, continued suffering heavy losses, and once again retreated to establish defensive positions. Russian Special Forces, part of the Storm Unit, attempted to advance on Pervomaiske, and it ended in disaster, with seven Ukrainian soldiers capturing 22 members of the Storm Battalion. In the Marinka operational area, fighting for Marinka continued within the remains of the city and the area around it, still with no change in the situation. Russian mercenary mill blogger Rybar reported that Ukrainian forces went on the offensive east of Pobida but did not indicate an outcome. In the Vukhladar operational area, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian DRG units were operating in the area of Novodonetsk. Moving on to Zaporizhia. Russian forces conducted 88 fire missions, three airstrikes and three drone attacks on 20 settlements along the line of conflict. At the Zaporizhia Nuclear Power Plant, or ZNPP, the International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, reported that the 750-kilovolt power line, which was disconnected due to damage caused by a Russian cruise missile attack, was reconnected. Rosatom's claims that they were moving all six reactors to a cold shutdown state on May 8th 
appear to have been untrue, with the IAEA reporting that Reactor 5 was in hot shutdown at the time of the outage and safely moved to cold shutdown during the power loss. All 20 backup diesel generators started normally, with plant operators shutting down 12 of them when it was determined they were not needed. Rosatom officials reported a 23-day supply of diesel fuel on site. IAEA Director General Rafael Grossi called for stepped-up efforts to restore the ZNPP's backup power lines and reiterated the need for the IAEA team at the site to gain access to the nearby Zaporizhia thermal power plant, which has yet to be granted despite assurances by Russian state nuclear company Rosatom. The thermal power plant operates its 330-kilovolt open switchyard through which backup power has previously been provided to the nuclear power plant. Rosatom said Reactor 5 was being returned to hot shutdown to provide steam for plant operations. In north and northeast Ukraine, the Sumy Oblast Administrative and Military Governor's Office announced, quote, The enemy has significantly intensified firing on the territory of certain border khomadas of the Okhtyrka district. In order to prevent the deaths of people in these khomadas, measures are being taken to ensure the safety of residents, including the transportation of those who want to go to safe places. The situation in the region is under control. Please keep calm and use only official sources of information, in no case spread rumors and fakes. End quote. Okhtyrka was almost wiped from the map in March 2022 and is 50 kilometers west of ongoing Russian partisan fighting in Bilgorod, with a direct ground line of communication, called a GLOC, that's a supply line, to the Russian border crossing on the T-1705 highway. We have not documented extensive shelling this far from the Russian border, and Okhtyrka would be on the outer limits of the capabilities of Fab 500 SE UPMK glide bombs. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. On the Russian front, the new Russian objective is to repel Russian partisans out of Bilgorod, stabilize the border, and maintain civil order. The Ukrainian-backed Russian partisans' objective is to motivate other Russians to fight against the Putin regime and accelerate the downfall of the Russian government. In the Bilgorod operational area, the Russian partisan incursion has expanded, with Bilgorod regional governor Vyacheslav Gladkov reporting that a 45-kilometer stretch of the Russian-Ukrainian border has been evacuated from Spodaryushino to Gorkovsky, and claimed that artillery strikes were occurring as far east as Golovchino, 18 kilometers from the Russia-Ukraine border. Russian state media agency Baza reported fighting continued in Kosinka and Glotovo, and that power, water, internet, and cellular service were out. Residents were hiding in the basements due to the fighting and Russian shelling in the border region and could not be evacuated. Governor Gladkov released a statement, writing, quote, There is information that in those settlements that the enemy entered, there are two wounded civilians. So far, the security forces have not been able to reach them. Task number one this morning. I hope that we will be able to evacuate them as soon as possible and deliver them to a medical facility. There have been no civilian deaths to date. 
All necessary actions on the part of law enforcement agencies are being carried out. We are waiting for the completion of the counter-terrorist operation that was announced yesterday. End quote. Russian officials reported that an 82-year-old woman died during the evacuation of Graivoron, but it was unrelated to military activity. Gladkov implemented the Edelweiss Protocol, a quasi-martial law declaration restricting travel, activating all Ministry of Internal Affairs employees, and providing additional extrajudicial powers. The Ministry of Internal Affairs, essentially the police department, has been given the responsibility for fighting against the Russian partisans because there isn't a significant Rosguardia presence in Bilgorod and only a small contingent of border guards who were quickly overwhelmed. The Russian 74th Separate Guards Motor Rifle Brigade is reportedly being deployed as a rapid response force, but there is no evidence that they have arrived in the area. Reinforcements of the Free Russian Legion and the Russian Volunteer Corps have occupied the Graivoron border crossing facility with dozens of fresh troops arriving and building defensive positions in broad daylight, unconcerned about Russian artillery or airstrikes. Currently, Russian partisans of the Free Russian Legion control Kozinka and Glotovo, with Zarechepervoy, Gorapodol, and Graivoron contested. In Glotovo, Russian partisans captured a BTR-82 armored personnel carrier and took one POW. Partisans also captured a T-72 tank and flew the Ukrainian flag to provide friend or foe markings due to the Russian Z invasion markings painted on the sides and top. A Russian partisan Max Pro infantry mobility vehicle suffered minor damage and was abandoned in Glotovo. Multiple Russian sources dismissed Russian state media claims that 39 partisans had been killed and several taken prisoner, with rumors and false claims consuming Russian social media channels and mill bloggers. We did verify that Russian forces fighting against the partisans on May 28th had eight wounded requiring hospitalization, one killed and three taken prisoner. Panicked residents recorded themselves trying to break into a locked bomb shelter they were told to evacuate to with one declaring, quote, tell Governor Gladkov he's a b***, end quote. In early 2023, we called out the poorly constructed defensive line established by Russia on the Ukraine-Bilgorod border, comprised of half-height dragon's teeth that were not buried into the ground, cabled together or protected by razor wire, and lacked trenches and minefields along most of the line. The construction was backed by PMC Wagner and cost 10 billion rubles, and Russian partisans reportedly just drove around a gap in the dragon's teeth. Members of the smaller Russian Volunteer Corps were reportedly fighting in Dronovka. Russian state media was quick to identify several members of the Russian Volunteer Corps involved in the attack as a former FSB agent and a wanted criminal and known neo-Nazi involved in the March 2, 2023 border incursion in Bryansk, both reportedly killed by the Russian MOD almost three months ago. Ukrainian drone-delivered IEDs were dropped on the Russian Federal Security Service, or FSB, building and the Ministry of Internal Affairs headquarters in Bilgorod. There were unconfirmed reports of casualties, and we'll provide an update on the situation if we learn more. Ironically, Russian mill bloggers hyper-focused on the situation in Bilgorod, while at the same time complaining about the lack of coverage for Bakhmut. Quick sidebar. This reminds me of something that 19th-century American author Mark Twain said, quote, 
everybody talks about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. End quote. 21st century Russian propagandist Alexander Sasha Kotz wrote, quote, There are a number of questions to which there are no answers. More precisely, they are there, but they are very unpleasant. That is why no one gives them. What about the technical equipment of the border, surveillance systems, tracking, and traffic detection? What about the mining of potentially dangerous areas? What about anti-tank weapons? Why has the enemy's armored group quietly penetrated deep into our territory? Do we feel sorry for the border guards without anti-tank guided missiles and rocket-propelled grenades? End quote. Our favorite FSB colonel, convicted war criminal, Kremlin pariah, failed Mobik, and terrible human being, Igor Strelkov-Girkin, wrote, quote, Specialists from Hogwarts College write that there were simply not enough Fabergé pyramids on the Bilgorod front, or they were incorrectly installed without taking into account the position of Mars relative to Jupiter. Because of that, the defensive magic didn't work. End quote. I feel like he's being sarcastic. PMC Wagner leader Prigozhin stated through the Concord Group, quote, I can tell you what is going on. There is a lack of management and sawing off of state money. That means embezzlement. Instead of dealing with the security of the state, some are sawing off money while others are fooling around. There is no management, no desire, and no individuals who are willing to defend their country. I have repeatedly talked about this in Bilgorod and Kursk regions. Unfortunately, the situation is still the same. End quote. Other mill bloggers, like Ribar, after declaring Russian partisans had advanced up to 10 kilometers into Russia, falsely claimed that the attack had ended and that anti-government Russian forces were pushed back into Ukraine, while others dismissed all claims of fighting in the area as fake. When asked about the events in Bilgorod, the United States Department of State spokesperson Matthew Miller said, quote, I think it's important to remind the world that Russia started this war. Ukraine has the right to decide how it wants to conduct its military operations. But the aggressor in this war is Russia. End quote. In Bryansk, regional governor Alexander Bogomaz also implemented the Edelweiss Protocol due to the lack of a rapid response force and Rosgvardia in the border region. Assessment here? The emperor has no clothes. We had previously assessed that up to 95% of Russia's active military ground forces are in Ukraine or supporting the Russian military actions within Ukraine. A relatively small group of Russian partisans with minimal heavy weapons and no air support have advanced up to 10 kilometers into Russia along the Ukrainian border in an area Russian mill bloggers have written multiple warnings would be attacked by a much larger force. These are so-called little green men with Ukrainians throwing back at Russian social media the exact same talking points used to justify and obfuscate Russian aggression in 2014. I mean, American Humvees and Max Pros are available on the open market. Just as Putin claimed in 2014 that Russian troops weren't in the Donbass and the weapons being used could be easily acquired. Even the Kremlin's message of calling Ukrainians terrorists is working against them forcing Russian state media to label Russian partisans as terrorists as well. Some Ukrainians are calling the area, quote, liberated by partisans, the Bilkhorod People's Republic. And even a Wikipedia entry was created. We've documented for months how Russian artillery and mortar units have fired 50 to 200 shells a day into the Sumy Oblast, 
including recently targeting Vilega Pisarivka. The critical question has to be asked, where did those artillery and mortar units go? There are reports of Russian artillery and grad rockets fired by multiple launch rocket systems, or MLRS, being used against the partisans. Still, it appears to have little effect, and Russian partisans are strengthening their positions, contrary to Russian state media and official claims. It is admittedly unlikely that the few Russian forces remaining to respond will start defecting, potentially sparking broader unrest. But the question has to be asked, how much appetite do Russian troops have to fight against Russian partisans who have no qualms with them, only with the Putin regime? This is a different threat. Almost prophetically, it is so-called turbo-patriots being supported by Ukraine causing the instability. The wellspring of Vladimir Putin's power is his core message of making Russia great again, and that only he can lead Russia forward as the visionary protector. Well, thousands of villagers in Bilgorod now have no more illusions about who can and cannot protect them. While don't-say war laws can be used to suppress the message of what is happening, if the activity of partisans expands, it'll get harder to control. And if Russian troops refuse to fight against Russians or even defect, the information space will quickly spiral out of control. Decades of corruption in Moscow that never ended after the collapse of the Soviet Union have left the Russian armed forces underfunded. While Russian troops in Ukraine are fighting with things like S-60 anti-aircraft guns, M-12 anti-tank guns and AK-74s, operating T-54, 55, and 62 tanks, wearing SSH-68 helmets, the optics will be really bad if the Russian MOD can suddenly somehow find modern equipment to attack their own citizens. The instability within Russia has been growing for months. It started with graffiti, ribbons, and posters, advanced to small border incursions for taking mocking selfies to show how porous the border is, then sabotaged railroad infrastructure. Now you have Russians killing Russians and occupying 46 square kilometers in under 24 hours. That's an area larger than the entirety of Bakhmut. This is not a good omen for how Russia will respond to a Ukrainian counteroffensive if a company of partisans accomplished in 24 hours what took PMC Wagner three months in Bakhmut. For Ukraine, this is part of shaping operations for the larger offensive. If partisan territorial control continues to expand, some of the Russian reserve forces positioned to defend against the 33 combat brigades lurking in Ukraine will have to be allocated to Bryansk and Bilgorod to defend the border. The Defense Intelligence Directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, or GUR, Major General Kirilobudanov appealed to Russian troops to surrender, saying, quote, For more than a year now, the Kremlin regime has not been able to achieve any of the goals it set at the beginning of the invasion of Ukraine. I am appealing to Russian servicemen, to those who were lucky enough to survive the meat grinder and the beaten-up trenches. It's going to get even worse. You have a choice. To die or to save your life. End quote. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? 
Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.